Today we're going to take a, a quick break from our study in Matthew, and we're going to uh, just look at a text that I've been thinking about a good bit, um, and a text that I actually preached yesterday uh, to our presbytery, and uh, it's going to be in Hebrews 13. So if you guys have your Bibles, uh, you can turn over to Hebrews 13. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 7 and 8. So Hebrews 13, 7 and 8, for uh, those of you who are, uh, need a little bit of help remembering uh, the book of Hebrews, um, it's uh, a, a lot of exhortations that are spoken to uh, a very confused church, a church that is going through times of suffering um, in various ways, in danger of really being lulled to sleep by the culture that surrounds it, uh, maybe for an easier life, um, or various other things, but Hebrews 13 itself contains uh, one overarching command, and you'll see it, uh, 13 uh, verse 1, let brotherly love continue, okay? And so that kind of frames the whole chapter of Hebrews uh, chapter 13, and it's followed by 13 exhortations, or 13 commands, and we're just going to look at one of them today. And uh, in the book of Hebrews, there is uh, kind of uh, the, the writer speaking about this clash between two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, and is calling these Hebrew Christians to stand firm in the kingdom of God and to come out of the kingdom of this world. Because all throughout the book of Hebrews, the writer is saying Jesus is better. Jesus and his kingdom are better. And so come out of the kingdom of this world, live in the kingdom of God, and spread that to the rest of the world. And so Hebrews 13, we get kind of towards the end where it's more of an application section, and we're starting to address different topics like hospitality, remembering those who are imprisoned for their faith. Um, Other topics like marriage, keeping our lives free from the love of money. And the verses that we're going to look at, it's the importance of leadership. The importance of leadership. And so let me go ahead and read these two verses for us. Uh, Like I said, Hebrews 13, starting in verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are a God that is not silent but you have uh, made yourself known. Uh, Not only in the world around us can we learn things about you, like your power and your glory through uh, a beautiful sunrise over the ocean or um, even a storm coming in over the ocean, Uh, but you have specifically shown us yourself through your word. Uh, especially through your word and you teach us about yourself and we come here as we already have worshiping you and glorifying you because that's what we were made to do and so we pray that as we open up your word holy spirit that you would please help us to understand take away the distractions and we pray that you would please help us to apply your word in our lives god we thank you that you speak to us we pray that you would help us to listen now by your grace and for your glory Amen. I remember when I was in college, uh, there was a night um, I went to a small college outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and there was a night in which um, I was sitting in the parking lot of a, a local McDonald's, and it was kind of off the, uh, the middle of the highway. Um, I'd gotten together with a guy who was kind of mentoring me, 
and uh, we'd gotten together for what we call in our college ministries the one-on-one, right? It's a time for us to talk about what's going on in our lives, a time for us to talk about uh, some of the ups and downs and uh, things that I was struggling through and all that kind of stuff. And I remember that particular night, the mood um, wasn't a joyous one. It was, a, it was one which I was just very aware of the battle that was going on in my soul. Um, I don't remember a lot of the details of that night or even a lot of what uh, my mentor said to me, but I remember talking about just my struggle with sin my acute awareness of the battle that was raging within me, right? The, the desire to follow God and His ways, and yet um, my struggle with the old sin, sinful nature. And you know, I think that there are those nights that for every one of us as believers, we struggle. We struggle deeply being aware of our sin. We know that we want to follow God, and yet our flesh is telling us to follow um, our, our sinful desires. And we're aware of this. And we long for the day in which this battle will be over and we will be with the Lord and we will be in his presence in which we will sin no longer. We will have to fight no more. And I think that's what was going on in my heart that night as I sat with Clint, my mentor. I remember tears rolling down my cheek and I remember we were praying together for help amidst the battle. And really, I don't remember all the words that he said to me, but it really was his presence that night that made all the difference. Sometimes we refer to this as just a ministry of presence, right? It's in our times of struggling, in our times of distress, it's just that, our, that someone, a good friend, a family member would be close to us, would be with us. Just their presence makes all the difference. And for me, it was that night in which he, in his humility, counted my struggles more important than his own. And he would sit with me and pray with me and help me to remember that this is going to all be over one day, that Jesus is better And you know, I think that he was not only a help to me that night, but also he was an example to me. He was a model to me. And I believe that he wanted me to imitate that example one day with maybe even the guys in the dorm that I was reaching out to. The guys that were struggling with uh, maybe uh, something happened in their life, whether it's in school or with their family. I believe that he wanted me to imitate that one day with another person. See, I think here in Hebrews 13, we have a very important principle from God's Word, and it's this. Because Jesus Christ is the same, we are to imitate the faith of our God-given leaders. Let me say that one more time just to let it sink in for us. Because Jesus Christ is the same, we are to imitate the faith of our God-given leaders. And so the, the writer to Hebrews, as he's going, th- or, yeah, so the Hebrews, as he's going through chapter 13, he's giving these commands. And these 13 um, different exhortations, it's kind of rapid fire action. Um, we're at the end of the book. It's kind of saying, this is what, you know, we're supposed to do because of the rest of the book of what I've been telling you. And the first thing that he says here in verse 7 is to remember your leaders, to remember your leaders. Let me read that to us. Verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Now maybe upon reading that, you're asking yourself the question, why remember? Why do I need to remember my leaders? Why not just go to the second part of imitating them or following them, modeling their example? Well, you know, I, I, I I was thinking about that and I probably came to the conclusion that it's because they've forgotten, right? Because they've forgotten. And just like them, we forget things. 
It's a sad fact of humanity that we become familiar with things, and especially the things that we are exposed to time and time and time again, even beautiful things, right? A husband has a beautiful wife and enjoys her and loves her as that gift, but years down the road forgets the gift that she is to him. Or the same with a wife for the husband. Or a mother has the gift of a child. And after years and years of just being worn down by trying to love that child, they forget the gift in which they are. We forget things. That's just a sad fact of being human. And that's a great time for the devil to come and swoop down with his lies and to destroy our faith. And so we forget things that we should remember, and that's why the Bible talks about this theme of remembrance a lot. Um, it's especially true of the Old Testament. I don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to read through the whole Bible or read through, for example, the Old Testament, but my wife and I did that um, when we first got married. And we were surprised that as we kept on going through you know, Genesis and Exodus and other places, we, we realized that they, they keep calling them people to remember. Remember God's goodness. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember what he did back in the day. And just as much for those in the original audience that were reading this and having to remember God's goodness and what he has done, we too are called to remember. So he begins with the audience and and also us because we know that we tend to forget our leaders. When times get rough, we look out and listen for number one, right? We want to look out for number one. We want to listen to ourselves. When times gets good, maybe because we're not suffering persecution, we don't want to listen to our leaders because we want to be the leaders. Or we say we want to choose the leaders. We say it's all right. But here at the outset tonight of our walk through Hebrews 13, I think we have to realize that we all have leaders. We all have leaders that we look up to, people that we respect, people that we love, people that we're learning from. And I want to ask the question, if, if, if it's not the people that are teaching you the word of God, then who is it? Who are your teachers? See, a funny thing is you, you can't help but having teachers. And the question is, who are they? Are they the, the, your favorite music artist? Maybe a, a business leader, if you're in business and you look up to this person. Maybe it's a politician, a professional athlete. You, you know, an artist or whatever it is, you name it. We all have leaders in our lives and the question is, who are they? And what are they teaching us? Are they teaching us the word of God? And I want to challenge you guys to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to identify who are some of these God-given leaders in your life. Who are the leaders maybe that you're trusting that you shouldn't be trusting in because they're not teaching you the word of God? See, the first half of verse 7 is calling us to remember our leaders. One commentator defined remember as to call back to mind that which we know about a person. To call back to mind that which we know about a person. You know, again, again going back to the question of why do we need to be reminded. Uh, an old Puritan preacher put it this way. Our sins and God's kindness are apt quickly to slip out of our memory. We deal with God's mercies as with flowers. When they are fresh, we smell them and put them in our bosom. But within a while, we throw them away and mind them no more. Have you guys ever had fresh flowers? I like having, my, my wife loves having fresh flowers in the house. 
smelling those flowers, but once they start kind of, you know, the petals start falling off, the smell starts going away, we chuck them out the door, right? Is that the way that we think about the leaders that God has given us in our lives? So lest we forget about these leaders, lest we throw them in the trash and forget about them, we need to actively remember God's mercy he has shown to us through these leaders. But let's look a little bit more about who these leaders are. Who are these leaders? Because there's an important distinction here. And verse 7 says, Those who spoke to you the word of God. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Now we don't know a whole lot about the actual leaders that the writer of Hebrews was talking about here in verse 13. But we do know it's that those who were, who were bringing to them the word of God, the gospel, the truth that God is revealing through his word. Those are the leaders that God wants us to imitate. Those are the leaders that God wants us to listen to. And if we are Christians today, we have to realize that we didn't get here by ourselves. We didn't. We had models. We had examples. We had those who went before us, those who um, told us the gospel, showed us how to walk a life with God. They taught us how to study our Bibles, how to pray. Maybe how to be faithful in our finances or how to represent God in our, in our workplace. They taught us these things. They, they, they led the way. They modeled it before us. They showed us how. They kept us going in the vital disciplines of the faith. And you might have had someone sit up with you in those late nights. Maybe in your late nights of, of distress. Um, sometimes we, we point back to a, a guy who talked about the dark nights of the soul. Those nights of deep, intense struggle, those believers that sat up with you and taught you and encouraged you with God's word. My question is, who are these men? Who are these women? Who are these models that God has given you? God's call for us today is to remember, to remember, to call to mind these leaders. But not just that, we also see that we are called to respond. And we're called to respond through considering and imitating. The second half of verse 7, if you guys look with me, it says, Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so we see two verbs here, right? Two verbs here that frame our response. The first one, consider. And the second one, imitate. All right, so consider, we all know it means just kind of taking a deeper look. Just looking intently, looking hardly at what is there. But what are we supposed to look at? The outcome of their way of life, the text says. And that's kind of strange at first, right? We're not just to observe what's going on in their life right now or at one little segment, but how it plays out to the end of their life. One guy says it like this. In short, we are to look at their lives from beginning to end. You know, it's a painful thing as a pastor and um, even as a, just a, a man, just to look at leaders that I have respected and followed for a long time, maybe guys who have started the race well, but they haven't finished well. Or maybe they've limped to the finish. Maybe it's some type of sexual immorality. Maybe it's some type of uh, theological compromise or um, way that they treated their wife and kids or neglected them or whatever it is. But there are plenty of men, plenty of examples of those who have not finished and, and ran the race well. And, you know, I think back to a, um, a lyric in a, in a Christian rap song that a guy named Lecrae, he talks about this reality, and he says, 
you know, looking at all this, he says, basically, it's got me running of my, that's uh, uh, how Sarah says this, it's got me running scared of myself, no lie. When I look at that and I see that even guys like that, guys who've been walking with God, women that have been walking with God for 20 years and still those kind of people can fall. It's got me scared of myself. It humbles me. It sobers me and it should. And we're going to look at why that is and, and, and what to do in those circumstances later on as we talk about Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we are called particularly to consider those who have ran the race who have completed the race. Take, for example, a guy in church history called John Wesley. He's known for his commitment to the various spiritual disciplines. He kind of set up the Methodist denomination. But here's a quote about his lifetime. During his lifetime as an, uh, of itinerant ministry, he traveled 250,000 miles. And I'm thinking most of that's on horseback. Preached 40,000 sermons and gave away 90% of his income. Talk about running the race well. Talk about completing the race. So we are not only to consider them as if we were a panel of judges on your favorite, you know, judging show, whether it's like American Idol or So You Think You Could Dance or The Voice. No, we are to imitate them. We are to mimic them, to follow their footsteps they have put before us. And what what better way to honor them than to follow their example? That's how we honor our leaders by following the example they have put before us. But notice what it is that we are to imitate. What does Paul say here? It says their faith. Why does the writer of Hebrews single out this one aspect of the leader's life? Why faith? One commentator talking about this says, note what we are to learn from them. Not their personalities or their ministry techniques, but the outcome of their way of life. And later on, their faith. You know, we are tempted to follow our leaders in many things. Sometimes we do it knowingly. Sometimes we do it unknowingly, right? Sometimes we follow the good things, like maybe um, their perseverance or their endurance or their honesty, standing up for what's right. Other times we imitate other, other things that are bad. We imitate their anger. We imitate their lust for power or for money. We imitate um, their do whatever it takes and compromise my morals just to get the goal. We imitate things, bad or good. But you know what? We're called to imitate their faith here. Their faith is what we're called to imitate, the good. And it reminds me back of Hebrews 11, right? If we were to go back to Hebrews 11 now and read that chapter, it's kind of called the the hall of faith. And those guys and, and girls who have trusted God, who have walked by faith, who have moved to different places, you know, when they had nothing because God told them to go. Those people who have suffered persecution. Those people have been put to death. That says sawed in two, torn apart by lions, but they trusted God and they walked by faith, even not receiving the things yet promised, but looking forward to the heavenly kingdom in which they are citizens of. It reminds me of those types of people. The call is clear to consider their way of life and imitate their faith. So who are these people that God has put before you that he is calling you today to consider, today to imitate? Who are those people? Maybe God's bringing some of those people to mind right now. If you guys will allow me, I want to kind of give you an illustration of of my own life. Excuse me. Um, 
When I was uh, working on this sermon originally, I, uh, I had written a letter to my pastor down in Charlotte. And uh, he's been a, a, a great friend, a great mentor. He's been in ministry for a long time. Um, he's uh, uh, getting actually close to retirement. And I wrote him a letter in preparation for this sermon. I want to read you guys this letter because I think what it does, I think it helps us to understand what Hebrews 13, 7, and 8 is asking us to do. Okay? So listen closely and maybe think of some people in your own life that maybe you would write a letter to or, or give a phone call to and say, thank you for investing in my life in this way. And this is how I really want to follow your example as you follow Christ. So here it is. Dear Mike, I hope you've been enjoying your sabbatical and that the Lord is giving you and Jane great rest in him. I've been thinking about my past five years at Christ's covenant recently especially in preparation for preaching this sermon on Hebrews 13, 7, and 8. When I think back to my senior year of college, I was faced with a decision to come on staff with Campus Outreach as the 1822 generation director at Christ's Covenant or go to do something else. I love Campus Outreach and college students and was growing in my love for the church, so it was a no-brainer for me. However, I did not love Christ's Covenant yet. If I'm honest with myself, I wouldn't have picked to come here on my own. For the most part, I probably wanted to be in the cool, trendy, diverse church filled with young, exciting Christians just like myself. But thank God that's not what happened. And he brought me here where I met a fiery old man who both made me mad and uncomfortable and yet would become, become someone that I would deeply admire and love and learn so much from. So why am I writing this letter, you may be asking. As I pursue my own call to pastoral ministry, I'm looking back on my last five years here to remember the works of the Lord in my life, especially the leaders he has put in my life. I've grown to love Christ's covenant, its ministry, its members, its leaders, and especially you, Mike. So I wanted to say thank you for your friendship, for your shepherding of me and my family. You're coaching me and taking me to places I haven't wanted to go, though I needed to, and all the lessons that God has taught me through your life and leadership. The passage I'm preaching on this week says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to know that you came to mind when studying this text. So I wanted to take some time to remember your leadership, to consider your way of life, to praise God for what he has done through your life, and that in hopes that I would imitate your example. So in order to do this, I took some time to think about the major lessons that I've learned from your life and from your leadership. And here are a few of them. Number one, newer isn't necessarily better. History is important because it is his story. So learn from the past. I'm not the first one to do this Christian life. Number two, revival is the great need of our time and it is worth my life's pursuit. Three, impressions perceptions, dress, etc. are important and reveal something about the state of my heart no matter how much I fought you on this. Number four, the kingdom of God is the great theme of the Bible and of our lives. We are all caught up in a story larger than life, greater than self, and lasting forever. Number five, the cause of truth is always more important than its consequences. And six, we learned this one afresh yesterday, The church and the PCA are our family and the place that God has called us to. It's a messy family sometimes, but what family isn't? It's our family and it's worth the struggle. Christ's bride, the church, wasn't nice and neat, but he died for it. 
Thus my life is not my own, and I will live for Christ, His gospel, and His church. These are some of the lessons that I've learned from considering, the outco- or considering your way of life in Christ. And by God's grace and for His glory, I want to imitate your faith and example before me and the church that God has put me in one day. Thank you for your faithful service to Christ's covenant, and may the Lord give you many more. See, Mike was an example to me. My pastor was an example for me to imitate one day. But you know what? If you guys are honest with yourself, and I'm, if I'm honest with me, we're going to come to the conclusion that as good as these leaders are, as great as these, these men of faith or women of faith are, they're just leaders. They're just men. They're just women. And they're going to fail us. They're not going to be perfect examples. What then? What then when the pastor that you look up to for years upon years falls? Or what then when your, your mom, who has been a, a staple in your life, goes and cheats on your dad? Or you fill in the blank of whatever it would be. What then? What then when our leaders fail us? Well, it's really important. The last point here in Hebrews chapter 13 is for us to refocus on Christ. And this is so important for us to do. So please hang in there with me as we look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. When I originally wrote this sermon, we had just elected um, uh, deacons and elders in our church, right? Our church leadership. And uh, it's a noble and worthy call for for men to want to come and be a part of that leadership. It's a high calling and, and an honorable thing for them to serve our congregations. But you have to admit that at best, these are still just men. And you know what? For this church, your elders, your pastors, me and Santo, your leaders one day, maybe uh, as we get bigger, our deacons and and our, our other lay leaders who are helping out with our children's ministry, all this kind of stuff, our leaders, we hate to say it, but we are going to fail you. We are not going to be perfect examples for you. You know, there are going to be times in which we will not love you like Christ. We will not love you like Christ because we're looking out for us. There are times in which we're not going to serve you sacrificially because we would rather be selfish. There are going to be times when we always don't have your best interest in mind as leaders in the church because we're seeking our own. We will fail you sometimes. But verse 8 is so important and remains true that Jesus Christ is our true leader. Jesus is the head of this church as well as the church universal. Pastor Santo and I are not the head leaders of this church. Jesus Christ is. You know, we tend to talk a lot about these days how our country is going downhill. Maybe how our churches are bickering and splitting, being ineffective. Our political leaders can't get anything done. Maybe how our kids are walking away from God. Maybe how our retirement funds are shrinking or being slashed. Our personal budgets are in shambles because we've lost our job or we're underemployed. Maybe how the institution of marriage itself is falling apart or how medical viruses like Ebola are taking over our world and scaring us half to death. And you know, while these are important things, these are serious things, I think we tend to forget who's running the show. I think we tend to forget 
who is in charge. And you know what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In one sense, it doesn't matter if the uh, a president in our country adopts gay marriage or if they don't allow prayers in our schools or if pastors um, go to jail for speaking out against homosexuality. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In one sense, it doesn't matter if the government invades our privacy or if North Korea launches a war on us or if our health care system tanks or if casinos go out of business. It doesn't matter because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, you may be saying to yourself, well, you know, Peter, I'm tracking with you, but what about when it touches my life? When it comes down to my own life, my family, when I lose my job, when I have a miscarriage, when my family member dies, when my family member seems to, or family seems to be falling apart, or my child is diagnosed with some incurable or horrible disease, fill in the blank for whatever's going on in your life, what then? And brothers and sisters, it's the same thing. The same truth that we are going back to. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the question is, do you and I believe that? It's one thing to say, yeah, okay, Peter, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But is the way that you live your life showing that you believe that truth? Because the way that you live your life really shows what you truly believe. You may say with your mouth, I believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, forever. But you know what? You may be so anxious inside of your, your, your mind and your heart that God's not going to provide or God's not going to heal or God's not going to do this that you don't believe that practically. Your practical belief is not that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, persecution and suffering and distress, it doesn't change our mission. It doesn't change our God. It drives us to humility and desperation. And God has done such great things with those who are humble, those who are desperate, those who admit their weakness. It drives us to take God at his word when he says his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so with this in mind, let's kind of look a little bit more at verse 8. Let's take kind of a double click on that. And notice who, who the writer is talking about. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, if we were to look back, we could go to chapter um, 12, verse 2, and it says that famous verse, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joys that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Or back to chapter 1. Who is Jesus? He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. By his words, he upholds everything. If God was stopped, or if his word was to stop upholding the universe for one second, everything would go apart. Everything would disintegrate. But he upholds it. That is our God. We also notice that he is the same. Listen to this quote. It says, Leaders come and go, but Jesus Christ, whom they trusted and followed, is the same today as he was yesterday. He will always remain the same forever. The ultimate foundation for our Christian faith and obedience. So how wonderful is that? Yes, look to these leaders, right? These leaders we've been talking about. But even more so, look unto Jesus. Don't take your eyes off of him. 
Keep your eyes fixed on him. And keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus is actually how we submit to our leaders. Flawed though they may be, right? Flawed though they may be, we know that God has put them in our lives. And that we are called to obey and to submit as they are following Christ and as they are calling us to follow him in his word. But how we do that is by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus because he's running the show. And lastly, just look at the, the element of timelessness. How long is Jesus Christ the same? The text says yesterday, today, and forever, right? That's a long time. That's forever. That Jesus is the same. And so let us kind of bring this down to a little bit more practical um, uh, application as we look at um, these three vital implications that a pastor by the name of Richard Phillips gives us. And number one is this. His ministry and call are the same as they ever were. Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, I was in a seminary class a little while back and uh, we were talking about John Calvin and his work in Geneva. And uh, back then in the, the 15, 1600s, it was a very different time than ours. Um, people expected persecution. People expected suffering, to be put to death for talking about Jesus. And you know what? These pastors that he was training up as they would graduate, they knew that their diploma almost was a death sentence. That six months later that they would die for speaking about Jesus Christ, for teaching the Bible. But to them, it was worth it. To them, speaking about Christ, living for Christ, making him known was worth it. How many models went before them? How many other men ran the race before them and set the pace and they were ready to imitate their faith. And the question is, are we? Are we ready to imitate the faith of our God-given leaders? Number two, the Christian life is ever the same, unchanged in all generations. A.W. Tozer said that one of the most popular current errors and the one out of which springs the most of, our, most of the noisy, blustering religious activity in evangelical circles is the notion that as times change, the church must change with them. Times may be changing for us. Things may be happening that we're uncomfortable with, but we have to remember to stay the course. The Christian life is the same. It has not changed. Casinos fall, the Christian life is the same. Something happens to my family, the Christian life is the same. We stay the course by God's grace and for his glory. We stay the course. Lastly, it's Jesus we represent and display before our own generation. The ultimate goal of imitating our leaders is to honor Christ, to honor him, not to honor uh, the, the leader themselves, but to honor Christ. And so the question is, is the way that you parent, is that a model worth imitating? Maybe the way that you speak to your children, the way that you discipline them, the way that you have fun with them and engage them on their level. Maybe the way that you take them out for a cup of coffee or for, you know, breakfast one Saturday morning or whatever it is, is that a meaningful model worth imitating? It's a challenging question to me as a parent. Maybe the way you go about your work, is that presenting a model for future generations to follow and to imitate? Maybe the way that you approach your, approach your schoolwork if you're in school, are you honoring God with that? Maybe the, the way that you honor the Sabbath and honor coming to church and worshiping with other believers. Maybe the way that you practice and play your sports if you're younger in school. 
is the way that you go about those things honoring to God and giving an example to other younger believers in your life. And we could go on and on and on, but the question is, are you a model worth imitating for those around you? Are you one of these leaders that God is, is speaking to us about? Now we, we've covered a lot of ground in just two verses. It's amazing what God's Word can do, and we could go on for longer. There's so many riches that we could dig for and uncover in God's Word. But the fact remains is that God has given us models in the faith. He has given us leaders that we look up to, and rightly so, because they have teached us or taught us sorry, the Word of God. And I think if we would take the time to prayerfully remember and to recall these people, that we would start thinking about person after person after person that God has put in our lives that helped us become the, the woman of God or the man of God that we are today. God's given us so many gifts in the people that he's put around us. These models that have served as examples that we are called to imitate. And the way that we honor them and more importantly, the way that we honor God is to follow their example, to follow their example. Please don't make the foolish mistake, because I've made it, of thinking that we got to where we are today by ourselves. That's just wrong and sinful. We have not gotten where we are today as believers, as men, as women, as children. We have not gotten here without those people that God has put in our lives to teach us his word. So consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate them by the grace of God. And brothers and sisters, we can't do this by ourselves. We cannot do this by ourselves. We need the help of God. We need the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us now if we are believers and promises to help us to follow Him. And even when we fail, because we all will fail, even when we fail, we know, as we talked about here in the service today, that we have one who was perfect, who was perfect on our behalf, who perfectly kept God's law, who was a perfect example, a perfect model, a perfect leader. And because of what he did on our behalf, even when we fail, there is forgiveness and there is hope that we can repent once again, saying, God, I wasn't that example. I wasn't that model but please forgive me. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross that allows me to have hope that one day again, that, that this next moment, that I will be able to follow you even though I have, I've fallen at this point or even though our leader has fallen at this point. Pray that you would help him by the grace of God to follow you afresh again. It's a beautiful thing for us to remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I just pray that today was an encouragement to fix our eyes on Jesus. And for us, the decision is ours today. Will we remember those who have gone before us in the faith? You know, I was thinking about some of the people that I've, I've thought about that have gone before me. People in church history like the Hudson Taylors, the John Calvins, the Jonathan Edwards, the, maybe the John Pipers, Jim Elliotts. I could go on and on, but then I start thinking about the people that God's put in my life, the grandpas, the grandmas, cousins, aunts, uncles, mentors, like I talked about earlier, all these people that God's put in my life in which I'm so thankful for. The question is, will you consider their way of life? Will you imitate their example? And will you fix your eyes on Jesus? 
Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we are called by God's word to imitate the faith of our God-given leaders. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we don't deserve to be here this morning. God, we are those who have sinned and who have fallen short, God, of your commands. The thing that we do deserve is an everlasting separation from you in hell. And yet we who have put our faith in Jesus and repented of our sins, we have been adopted into the family of God. We are sons and daughters in the Lord and we share in all the benefits of being a part of the family. And a part of that family, we have God-given leaders that you have given us. Leaders that have taught us the way, ran the race before us, showed us how to do it, kept us going, and we praise you. I praise you for the, the Clint Darst in my life and the grand, Grandpa X who have gone before me and the um, other countless people that you have put in my life, my parents who taught me God's word from the, the, the youngest of days. Thank you. God, I pray that you would help me, help us to follow their example. God, I pray that you would keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And this is obviously all for your glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be glorified in our lives, in our worship today, and in the rest of this week, we pray. Amen. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Peter Eck, Assistant Pastor at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. New City's Sunday sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 215 North Sovereign Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. Oh God is written and performed by the Reverend Dr. Santa Garofolo. Join us next week for a brand new New City's Sunday sermon.